Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here, and thank you so much for tuning back in. You're in for a treat. Today, I have the amazing Carm Huntress. He's the founder and CEO of Credo, and they're bringing an end to the chart-chasing era of healthcare. If the name sounds familiar, that's because Carm's been on our podcast before about a year and a half, two years ago with the work he was doing at RX Review. Just incredible work there in that space and continuing to innovate in healthcare. Carm's an entrepreneur and a strategic leader with over 20 years of experience in startups focused around consumer and enterprise technology. I'm excited to hear and, and share with you what Carm is up to at Credo. With that, Carm, I want to welcome you back to the rocket, my friend. Well, Saul, thank you so much for having me, and always a pleasure to be here and uh, talk about healthcare. Hey, man, it's uh, it's great, and the opportunities are are huge. So, look, man, if if the listeners haven't listened to your episode, you guys got to listen to it. Just look it up in the in the uh, in the search bar. But, Carm, in a in a nutshell, what inspires your work in in this business? Well, you know, I think. We're in a really interesting inflection point right now in in healthcare and digital healthcare in that we've had a convergence of a couple big meaningful things in terms of enabling patient access to their medical record data. The first thing is really a little bit of my history. When at RX Review, we worked with a lot of the new standards that were enabling patient access to a machine-readable format of their medical record, a, a particular standard called FHIR, F-H-I-R, Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resource. And that really enables patients to exchange their, their medical record data and providers, for that matter, in a standard-structured way. And that has now proliferated over the last you know, decade. It's, it's, it's gotten to most healthcare institutions, and it's much more widely available and that was a big deal. And then a few years ago, we had the 21st Century Cures Act, which really opened up the door and said, hey, look, we know no healthcare organization can block a patient's access to their medical record data. And we have to, if they request it for themselves or for, they want to share it with a third-party application, they should be able to do that in a machine-readable format. And then I think really the last thing that's happened is the pandemic. And what happened in the pandemic is we went from a, a sort of in-person entry point into healthcare to a to a virtual or digital first front door. And you know, everybody's kind of now has a my chart and they've they've done digital interactions and telehealth and all this stuff during the pandemic. And I really looked at that convergence and I said, my gosh, you know, there's a high probability in the next 10 years every patient is going to have full longitudinal access to their medical record. But how is that going to come to be? Because if you look at the patient health record market, and if you look at Microsoft's attempts and Google's attempts and other attempts, we're not seeing broad-based adoption of, of sort of PHRs. And, and the reason is, is a couple things. One is that patients, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and effort required to sort of go get your records today. It's not a pleasant experience. It's not. <laughs> and it's not like you want to take a Saturday to do that, it's right? Such it's a pain. It's such a pain. And so we really looked at the medical record exchange process in the United States, which involves a release of information where, you know, you go into your doctor, you sign a HIPAA release, and then they call your other doctors and get their records. We do that 210 million times a year in the United States. So 60% of the U.S. population is moving some amount of their medical record data around for some reason. And isn't it odd that they don't end up with any of that, those records, right? Yeah. So it's a really interesting problem. So we we ended up going to providers and saying, wait a minute, you've got this function of chart chasing, which is a known term. 
in taking your providers, taking your nurses, taking your MAs and PAs, which we don't have enough of in this country, and telling them that their job is to go chart chase records for their patients. And so what we really try to do at Credo and where we're starting is with at-risk providers who are doing value-based care, who today tend to manually through phone and fax. And remember in the United States, we're still faxing 9 billion pages of medical record data a year, right? So it's all, when was the last time you, when did you, when was the last time you used a fax machine? I can't even, I, I, I fax something to the IRS. Okay. <laughs> like. Right. So, four years ago, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, the IRS and probably healthcare are the last bastions. <laughs> of and, and so we're really trying to help those at-risk organizations at, through a tech-enabled service. So we have both people and technology to come over and take that function out of those organizations and really support a thoughtful process of going and getting the records. But we're doing it with a digital first mentality, not a phone and fax mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's really ultimately why we want to end chart chasing and digitalize this process. And in that process, enable patients with access. Um, so, so you know, even though their provider wants it, we want to make sure they have access to. Well, Carm, that's, I'm sure, music to the ears of a lot of people. <laughs> I hope so. Listening hope to so. it. And, and I'm sure, you know, the, 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 like the, the feeling is, oh my God, this would be great. But then the next question is, but how, you know, like, mm-hmm. but how, so, so how would you answer that? Yeah. So we're, we're really looking at and engaging with the interoperability networks that have been established over the last decade through regulation. So there's a lot of work that's been done through CM, CMS and the ONC, around you know, patient access to data through these APIs, patient-facing APIs coming off the EHRs. That's an access point to data that's structured, um, that the patient can mediate, and we're supporting that. That's one channel to get data opposed to traditional phone and fax. There's also been a lot of work in the evolution of what was traditionally called the eHealth Exchange, and that was sort of the national interoperability network that was established. It is now evolving into this thing called TEFCA, which yep. is really creating a common agreement for entities to share medical record information in a, in a standard structured way and say, okay, I've got a patient request. I'm a provider taking care of somebody. I want to go out and get all their data. And these networks are getting enabled to start to do that. We're still in the beginning phases. We're still starting to transition from sort of siloed data stores into having these open and connected networks of HIEs and other entities coming together to pull the data. And so we're network, I say this to our customers, we're network agnostic. We don't really care where the data comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll we'll go over the patient-facing APIs. We'll look at the, the national networks and the HIEs or, or the existing eHealth exchange as access points to data. But we really want to solve the last mile. And that really involves helping these staff members inside these clinics move from their current workflow, which is phone and fax, mm-hmm. into, okay, what does that digital first work look like? And, and when you're at risk and doing value-based care, completeness really matters, Yeah, right? Like if a patient, we don't get a record of a heart attack and they had a heart attack or at, are at high risk of a heart attack, and that apparently is missing from you know these networks or this data, it's a big deal if I'm doing value-based care. I need to know that, right, to take care of my patients. And so we really want to give that sense of completeness back to the the provider, we use both patient interview plus looking at claims data and historical data to understand that sense of completeness. But we won't stop until we have that completeness for that provider. And that's something that's very different, right? Where where we're really trying to 
make sure everything is there for so they can do a good assessment so they can better take care of the patient and not do silly things that happen today, which is, you know, three of every 10 tests is duplicated because we don't get the records. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a huge amount of waste on the patient to spend the money and the at-risk entity, right, to, to, to redo all those tests and spend that money and time. So there, that's really the how for us of how we're going out being being this last mile solution and and but being agnostic in the way we do it and and to be honest our our team falls back to phone and fax if there's not a, an, an electronic method and that's it happens all the time you know it's it's a pretty common thing still today in terms of having to use that methodology to go get records well it's very real and and uh, appreciate you diving into the how uh, you know, as, as we, and, and basically you get people what they need on the patient they're taking care of without having to chart chase. How cool is that? I mean, if you, if you can have that, that, that is just, that's just incredible. I, I think about this whole interoperability play kind of like, man, we're paving roads, we're building trains. It's not, it's not there yet. But we're starting to get that infrastructure, like you mentioned, some governance with, you know, Tefka, got the APIs with Fire. The opportunity is here. What 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 would you say is is the biggest obstacle to to getting there today? Yeah, I mean, we we really I think a lot of people overestimate the amount of data and where it's stored and how much is out there. You know, we're talking zettabytes of data. And, and even for an individual patient, their data can be stored across a hundred different systems. And so, you know, we've got an incredibly long way to go in terms of the installation of these technologies like Fire and accessing into these systems to, to make sure that this data is accessible in a digital format. And so that's really, people just don't understand. There's, there's just so many access points into this data. And if you think about the years of history of a normal patient, you know, how much data we're talking about over how many different systems we are getting there. I mean, the good news is like, if you look at the patient facing APIs, there's now 10,000 access points, right? Into, into patient data. That's a lot of access points. And so we really fundamentally believe like we're at a tipping point and this will come together in the next 10 years and hopefully get to a place where it's relatively a commodity-based cost to go acquire this data, where you don't need a lot of human capital to go chart chase records. It's basically done all digitally. And that means the marginal cost will be very low to get the data either into providers' hands or patients' hands. And the, and the practice of duplicate testing and phone and faxing will really go away. And so I really think we're, we, we've got still a long way to go. We've got good regulation now driving the market forward. And we've got standards like FIRE helping everybody understand, hey, this is where we're going. We now have a, yep. a mandated regulated thing that we can all agree on, like, let's use this. And that's going to create that interoperable connected world where we can all understand the data that's going around. And, and I really think we're at that tipping point. I think it's very likely if you kind of extrapolate this out over five or 10 years that within that time horizon, you know, patients should get to a point where the vast majority of their data is available to them, you know, across many years of history in a machine readable format that they can share with any third party for any reason, right? I think we're on that trajectory in a really good way. It it just took us a decade to get enough of this you know, infrastructure, yes. regulation, and technology installed into healthcare, which is just massive to, to start to reach to this tipping point. And, and so I think we're on a good trajectory right now. That's beautiful. And awesome that you're working on this, Carm. You and your team are taking some big swings at, at this huge problem. 
you know, and as, as we, as we think about it, where does it end up, you know, and this is kind of like the age old debate. Does this end up with the, the patient so they could show up where they go get care or does it end up with the providers? What are your thoughts there? Or does it Look, matter? I think it's, uh, it does matter. I think really the patient has to be, again, we've been trying to shift. We, we talk about everything getting shifted to a patient centric world. And that's ultimately where we need to be. If we can shift the data to patients and give them a patient-centric view of their health, that is going to open a door to enablement like we've never seen before. If you think about the corollaries, step back and think about the financial industry. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until we introduced technologies that could peer into your financial history and actually do something that this world exploded of the mint.coms and the credit karmas and the nerd wallets yes. that were that have enabled us to peer into that financial data and say, hey, we can help you find a new mortgage. We can help you get a car loan. We can help you get better life insurance, right? The list goes on and on of financial products and services that we can enable you know, patients with once we understand their personal experience with their finances and their financial health. And it's no different in healthcare. I would say, I'd argue it's more complex and more personal, yep. right? Your health journey is incredibly personal and unique to you and what's happened to you. And until we unlock the data to really create that personalized experience for you, that N of one, you know, nothing's going to happen. I will tell you when I started researching this, I, I played with all the patient apps out there where you can connect your data, but some of them, you know, go through questionnaires and I won't say who I went through because I think it would be disparaging, but I like went through this huge questionnaire and asked to answer all, all the stuff. And the first thing they offered me, you know, in the app was a smoking sensation class. Hmm. And I said, well, I don't smoke. <laughs> this is, you know, this has nothing to do with me. Sense? How does that even make sense? And yeah. so look, we've got to get these engines orders of magnitude more intelligent than they are yeah. today to make sense of the data and then make recommendations. The other thing is that, you know, you can understand your financial data, right? Pretty well. You understand totally. transactions. Yeah. The problem with consumers yeah. and healthcare data is it's very hard to understand. We're probably both pretty intelligent people. I'll tell you one of the first times I pulled my record, I looked at a celiac test I had, which is, you know, my gluten sensitivity. All they put in the record was that my result was 272. There was no unit measure. It just said 272. Hmm. Well, isn't that a yes or no, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and that's a celiac test. That's a simple thing, right? And and so, and I still know what 272 means. Someone will eventually tell me who's smarter than me. <laughs> but but this is the point is that like, look, healthcare data is high, highly, you know, you have to be highly trained, right? Years of training to actually interpret and make sense of it. Now, computers will get better at that. And we've shown they can be, especially in AI and ML in specific domains. But, you know, we've got to get, again, unlock the data in a, in a way computers and even clinicians can look at it in a so a patient can get in the center of their care and then have personalization driven off that data. That's the future that we really have to thoughtfully work towards. You know, my goal is that we can amass in the next decade, 100 million patients with their records on our platform. And if we can enable that, then we can enable an ecosystem to then take that data and do incredible things that we can't even fathom right now. And, and that's really my intention here. And we've got to unlock that. You know, the, the question here is, how are we going to create massive access for patients and their data across tens or hundreds of millions of people? And once we do that, I think we're going to see a massive shift in terms of how patients will access care and the quality of care they can get and them really empowered with their data to improve their health, 
and and also do things like save money and time, which which is really important, um, and which we waste a lot of around healthcare these days. Awesome. Well, listen, I, I completely agree. This digital access to to patient data is a must. You know, the duplicate testing is is an issue. Let's make it better and improve not only clinician but also patient experience across the board. Let's stop chart chasing. Yeah, and <laughs> Folks, the chase. Yeah, exactly. It's credohealth.com. Parm, you know, where can they get a hold of you if they want to talk to you or, or anybody on your team about exploring this? Yeah, I'm well, I'm on LinkedIn as, as Carmantra. So obviously that's a great business avenue. I'm also on Twitter pretty actively at at Car, you know, at Carm Huntress. And uh, that's the easiest way on our website. You know, please reach out if this is a area of interest for you and let's let's end the charts, you know, chart chasing together and empower patients to live their healthiest lives. Love it, Carm. Appreciate you jumping on here. Again, folks, it's credohealth.com. And we'll leave Carm's LinkedIn and Twitter links in the show notes so you could get in touch with them if something today resonated with you, which I hope it did because it's a big issue. Thanks, Carm. Appreciate you jumping on. Thanks so much. Thanks, all. Thanks for having me.